Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode. It is a gorgeous day. It always seems to be a gorgeous day when I'm taping these podcasts, which just makes me so happy because when the sun's out, everything just seems a little bit better. Um, At the time that I'm recording this, we are down to the last week of school, which I have mixed emotions about because on one hand, I'm excited not to have the chaos of getting all the kids out to the bus stop on time. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, they're going to be back home all day. And how am I going to entertain these people? So I'm having a little bit of mixed emotions. But at the time this will be released, excuse me, at the time this will be released, it'll all be good because we'll be in the middle of it. And um, we'll persevere like we always do. Uh, I told you a couple episodes ago, I was going to try to share some more Fun facts about myself so you can get to know me a little bit more um, and get to know the person that's giving you all this nutrition information. So fun fact about me is I love country music. I do. I used to listen to it when I was in, I guess, middle school and high school. And then I, you know, got away from it. And then a couple years ago, we started listening to it because a lot of songs on the on the radio, at least like pop radio, were just, I don't know, the words weren't really appropriate for my younger kids. And, you know, we just started looking for something, an alternative thing to listen to while we were in the car that we felt better about as parents and kind of stumbled across country music again and was like, oh yeah, that's right. I like this. So when I turned 40, um, I told my husband, Jim, that I wanted to see Thomas Rhett in concert and I wanted to see him in a city other than Philadelphia or uh, in Jersey. Uh, where there's a smaller venue out in Jersey. And I'm like, I don't want to see him there. And I don't want to see him in Philadelphia. So figure it out. And he did. He came up big. We actually went to Greenville, South Carolina. Gosh, if you have never been there, it's gorgeous. It's such a cute town. Uh, up and coming, amazing restaurants. Uh, we just had one of the best vacations, just the two of us. We flew down there for three or four days and it did not disappoint. So if you are looking for a quick getaway uh, with, without kids, doesn't matter, but Greenville, South Carolina, put it on your radar um, because it was amazing. And The concert was awesome, Uh, probably one of my top favorite concerts of all time. Just good, wholesome guy, I just really like him, but I love country music, and I know that for some of my listeners, they're like, ugh, I hate country, but I don't know, you gotta let it grow on you, and then you'll be hooked. So enough about country music, though. Today's topic is, do I have to give up my favorite foods to reach my goal? And so the short answer, if you don't want to listen to this podcast and you just want a yes or no answer, the short answer is no. No, you do not. 
And if that's all you need to know, you can push stop right now and go about your day. But if you want to hang out with me for the next 20 minutes or so, I would like to talk to you a little bit about why. So much of nutrition is a head game, right? It's a head game. It's getting out of our head. It's dismantling some of those statements or thoughts that we assume are true. And it's giving you a different way of thinking about things. If you notice people that don't struggle, they don't really have these major convictions about nutrition or their eating styles. They just kind of do it and they don't put much thought into it. Whereas people that struggle either with weight loss or getting their, you know, sometimes it's trying to figure out what diet is best for their health condition. They're so hyper-focused and stressed out that it actually leads them to go in the opposite direction. And so today I just want to offer you some new thoughts that potentially can replace the old ones and honestly give you hope and show you a different way that actually feels good versus one that feels punitive, right? Who wants to follow a diet that feels punishing all the time? I know I don't. And, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, why people come to see me in my office. You know, I'm a, I'm a good dietitian. I mean, I'm not going to try to downplay my, my skill set, but I think what sets me apart or even sets our field apart is we give hope, right? We help people not only in their immediate struggles, but we also help them because we see the big picture and we want to give them, you know, the best quality of life possible, not just a quick win that we know is going to be short-lived. And so when people come to see me and they're struggling with food or, you know, their relationship with food, basically they're saying, help me think differently, help Help me have new thoughts around this subject so I can feel really good about myself and my decisions. And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you new thoughts. And these new thoughts are going to give you hope. Because if I can share these thoughts with you, maybe these are thoughts you can adopt in your own life and have success with them. All right, so one of the things that we think in our heads that it must absolutely be true that in order for me to be successful, I have to give up all my favorite foods. And that is just not true. Here's the funny thing with your brain. If you repeat something enough times, your brain will actually believe that it's true. It will. You say it so many times, your brain actually believes that it is a fact. And so that's why it's really hard to get out of our head sometimes because we're dealing with actual facts and then we're dealing with what I call false truths, things that we have assumed to be true because we've said them too many times. And so we really have to check in with our thoughts and challenge them. Is this an actual true statement or is this just something that I've said for so long I believe it to be true? And one of those statements is I have to give up my favorite foods. I'm never going to be able to eat what I want. So therefore, um, I'm going to have to be miserable. I'm going to have to eat foods that taste like cardboard. I'm not going to be able to go out with my friends anymore. Like our brain goes into worst case scenario. 
oh, I'm going to have to diet. That means, you know, my life is over. And no wonder we have our last suppers, right? No wonder we go off the rails the night before a new diet starts. You know, not only are we going to eat, you know, maybe that bowl of ice cream, but the thought of having to punish ourselves for the rest of our life, we don't eat just a bowl of ice cream. We just, we start eating everything we can see, everything that we can potentially think of that might be a stumbling block in the future, right? I remember one time I was like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go on this diet. I was ordering cheesesteaks the night before. I don't, I don't really eat cheesesteaks, but any food that I could think of that potentially would be terrible and cause me to, to struggle the next day, I decided I was going to eat that day, the day before, just to get it out of my system. Like we eat foods that we're not even, you know, craving because there's a potential we might crave it in the future. And once we're on this diet, we're not going to be able to, to eat them anymore. Isn't that crazy when we think about it? So a lot of us have this thought that we're going to have to give up all our favorite things. And here's a rule I have when I meet with my clients. I will never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I'm not willing to give up my favorite foods. I'm not willing to not eat cake with my children on their birthdays. I'm not willing to go on vacation and eat salads at every restaurant I go to. I'm not going to do that. And so I don't expect you to do it either. I don't. I I wouldn't want you to. There's more to life than getting down to a certain size. There is. There's celebration. There's community. There's family. There's memories. And food is a big part of that, as it should be. Where we need to change is the mindset of it has to be all or nothing. It's either one way or the other. Right? All foods can be part of a healthy diet. I'm going to repeat that. All foods can be part of a healthy diet. The key word here, though, is all. All foods. It goes both ways. A lot of times when we think, when we, when we look at our eating habits, it's we're either eating all the junk or we're eating only healthy foods. There's got to be a gray area here, a middle ground that brings both pleasure and, and our goals in mind. Like we have to be able to find a place where those two intersect. And a lot of times in our head, it's either all right or it's all wrong. And there's no in-between. And I have to do that a lot with my clients. I have to show them where that gray area looks like so they can stop the all or nothing thinking. You know, for example, I had a, a young girl in my, uh, in my schedule yesterday. Uh, great, amazing girl. I mean, she's in college. So when I say young, younger than me. Um, so yeah, she's in college. She's home. She was talking about um, babysitting. And when she babysits these kids and they have their snacks, she said a lot of times it's junk food. You know, she is like, I can't eat any of the junk food ever. So I have to only pack my snacks. I was like, well, what would it look like if you did have a snack? You know, do you have to have a snack every time you babysit? Or, you know, maybe once 
during that time that you babysit. Maybe not every time the kids eat a snack you participate, but hey, what could this look like if you didn't make it such a a hard no? And she came up with some really great ideas of what it could look like, what she could feel really good about, and also, you know, what would still keep her in alignment with her health goals. Right? So asking yourself, I think here's the bottom line. This is where we're going wrong. We're asking ourselves, do I have to give up my favorite foods? And you're you're asking the wrong question. A better question would be, how can I still enjoy these foods and reach my goal? What does that look like? That's the right question to ask. Not do I have to give up my favorite foods is how can I still incorporate them and reach my health goals? Notice the two questions have a very different feeling attached to it. Do I have to give up all my favorite foods? Right? That feels, it feels bad. It feels restrictive. It feels punishing. Guys, a healthy diet is not a punishment. We need to stop looking at it that way. It's not a punishment. When you are eating healthier foods, you tend to find you enjoy them. But in the beginning, when a healthy foods are not part of your diet, it feels like a punishment, but that's just the wrong, that's a false truth. It's not real. It's a perception. It's a thought. All right. So asking yourself, do I need to give up all my favorite foods? Already you're setting yourself up for failure because it doesn't feel good. But when you ask the question, hey, how can I still enjoy my favorite foods while working on my goals? All of a sudden that feels hopeful. And isn't that what we want? To have hope? Hope is so powerful because it shows us that there's still a chance. Like, actually, I was thinking about this the other day when I was coming up with some of my podcast topics. My favorite word that I try to instill in all my clients' vocabulary is the word yet. It's just three letters, Y-E-T, yet. But it has such a powerful way of transforming sentences. You know, I have clients that don't like to cook. I don't know how to cook. They use that statement as if it's a fact. I don't know how to cook. I'm never going to be a cook. So therefore, I have to eat out. And I just tell them, I am not a cook yet. Just those three letters change the sentence completely. It comes, you transform that sentence from one of hopelessness to one of hope. Three letters, yet. How can you start adding the word yet to your own statements that are going through your head, your own thoughts, right? I may not be there now, but there's hope that I can get there with those small, consistent steps. I had another client just yesterday who's been struggling to lose weight for quite some time now. And all of a sudden, she came in, and I asked her how things were going. She's like, really good. I was like, really? Tell me more. What's going on? You know, and and she's saying how she's exercising and she's, you know, cooking more at home 
and making healthier choices, maybe going for a walk on her lunch break. And I asked her, I was like, what caused this transformation? Because these are things we've been talking about for the past six months. And, you know, what made them take root now? And she's like, I don't know. I just, I took one small step. Guys, that's it. It's just one small step forward. We get stuck thinking we have to do all the things. That is not true. You just have to take one small step forward and let the momentum of that one step carry you forward. Right? Just like you don't have to give up all your favorite foods to be successful. You just have to make one small step. Right? And I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't mean that you can eat all your favorite foods all the time. (laughs) Right? You know, you may not be able to eat all your favorite foods at the frequency or the volume that you once did. But that doesn't mean that you can never have them. Right? This all or nothing thinking. It always goes back to the all or nothing thinking. Where is my shade of gray? I always tell my clients, every time they come in, any new client, can you see yourself doing this five years from now? Because if the answer is no, we have not found your way. Your way has to be sustainable. And if it's going to be sustainable, you have to like what you're doing. And if giving up all your favorite foods doesn't sound like something you like doing, it's probably not your best approach. It's, I, it's not probably not your best approach. It is not your best approach. I'm just going to be direct today. All right. So again, it's not I'm either eating all the junk or I'm only eating healthy foods. Again, that's that all or nothing thinking. It's a healthy diet encompasses all foods. It has to. That's the only way it works. If you talk to anybody that has success with their health goals, they are incorporating all foods in their diet. They may not eat them as frequently. They may not eat them in large portions, but I guarantee you they have them. Because in order to have health, there needs to be not only physical health, but mental health too. And being super restrictive and, you know, over-consumed and hyper-focused on everything that goes in your mouth, that is not mental health. There has to be a different way. There is a different way. And so let's start asking better questions. Not do I have to, are you going to make me, am I going to be miserable? It's how can I figure this out? All right. So let's talk about that. How do we enjoy our favorite foods and still be in alignment with our health goals? And here's, here's the big thing. Nutrition is, it's gray. It's very, very gray in a world where we want it to be black or white. And so just knowing that my answers are going to make you feel a little uncomfortable because I'm not going to give you that straightforward answer. I can't. I can't give you a straightforward answer because each person is different. When I'm being more um, 
you know, generic, what may feel like a generic answer. It's not because I'm trying to skirt the issue and not help you. It's because everything is different for everybody. What you connect with is different from what another person connects to. So I can't make a specific statement when it doesn't exist. Otherwise, I would. I hope I have enough credibility with you by this point that if there was an answer to something, you know I would give it to you. All right. So it's really important as we work through this is you don't compare your journey to somebody else's because what works for them may not work for you. And that is okay. That does not mean that you are flawed. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means you're a unique person and you need a specific set of guidelines for you. That's okay. It's absolutely okay. So, you know, part of this journey is figuring out what do you like, what can you sustain, and what works for you. That's it. Once you find that, you're good, but you cannot compare your journey to other people's because that's not fair to you. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple tips. If you want to enjoy foods that you know may not be the healthiest for you or, or get you to your health goal, but you want to still enjoy them, let's talk about how to do that. It all comes down to mindfulness. All right, so I'm going to give you three mindful tips that you can do when you eat a food that maybe is one of your favorites, but not the healthiest. All right. So tip number one is no screens, no car. No screens, no car. Meaning if you're going to eat a favorite food, I do not want you eating it in front of a a telephone, (laughs) a telephone, who uses phone, telephones anymore, a cell phone in front of a computer screen, in front of a TV screen, right? If you're going to eat something that you are just all in, so excited to eat about, you better remember it. And eating in front of a screen, guarantee you, you're not going to remember it because you're going to be distracted, right? We say we want these foods and we enjoy them so much. Half the time, we don't even remember eating them. That doesn't make sense. So no screens and no car, right? No car, because again, distracted. You're not enjoying that food when you're crammed up inside of a car. You know, if it's for me, like if I'm eating like ice cream in a car, I'm listening to the kids fight and, you know, there's nothing enjoyable about that. So if you're going to eat a food that you're really excited about, sit at a table Remove the distractions so you can actually put all your attention and focus into enjoying the food. Because isn't that what you're, you're searching for? I mean, that's the whole point is to enjoy the experience, not distract yourself the whole time. So, you know, your brain wants a do-over because it doesn't remember it the first time. So if you have a favorite food, All I'm asking is that you don't eat it in front of a screen and you don't eat it in a car. The second tip is I need you to slow down. I need you to slow down. I need, again, it comes down to enjoying that experience. And if you're flying through it, you're not reaping the maximum benefits of the taste and the flavor. Listen, your taste buds are in your tongue or on your tongue. They are not in your stomach. 
So if you enjoy the flavor, let it spend more time on your taste buds than it does in your stomach. For so many of us, we're shoveling it in at such mock speeds that it, it bypasses our taste buds. It's there for a hot second and then it's right down into our stomach and it spends more time in our stomach than it does in our mouth. I remember one time I had a client and we were talking about slowing down. Um, she enjoyed eating M&Ms while she watched a movie. And I know that goes against the rule about eating in front of a screen, but um, I remember she was watching the movie and she said she was eating the M&Ms one at a time. Like instead of pouring the M&Ms into the palm of her hand and then like shoving them in her mouth, chewing them and swallowing, she was very intentional about taking one M&M at a time and then sucking on it, swallowing before grabbing the next M&M. And she turned to her husband and said, these are the best M&Ms I've ever had. And he said to her, did they change the recipe? And she said back, which I just, I love so much. She said, no, I changed the way I ate them. These are the best M&Ms I ever had. Not because they changed the recipe, but because I changed the way I ate them. Isn't that awesome? I just love that so, so much, right? If you're gonna seek out an experience, have it, prolong it. Don't shove it in so quickly that you bypass the very thing you're looking for. So tip number two is make sure you slow down. Eat with your non-dominant hand if you have to. We were um, we went out to eat a couple uh, was it a couple weeks ago last weekend. We were down three kids, so we were we had two kids with us. We're like we're going out to eat because it'll be cheaper. <laughs> and um, the restaurant that we ate at it was it was slow, which was fine because we had nowhere to go and we weren't doing anything and we only had two kids. So it was easier to entertain them than it was, you know, if we had the whole group. But I remember just sitting there and just enjoying the whole experience because it wasn't rushed. Um, I got to enjoy the flavors much easier, by the way, to dial in on fullness cues when you're slowing down. Um, And I just remember how much I enjoyed the meal because of the slower pace. And I know that's not feasible every single time, but when it is, take advantage. And then finally, your third tip is savor. Just like we've been talking about this whole time with the first two tips, I want you to enjoy it. So smell the food, put it in your mouth, roll it around your tongue, put it in different parts of your mouth. Enjoy the experience. I had one guy one time, he says to me, he's like, I do not struggle with savoring. Like if I'm enjoying something that I really, or if I'm eating something I really enjoy, he's like, I close my eyes. You know, I try to get every distraction from my mind and just focused on the flavor. And it was funny because he was like showing me how he did it. So I always laugh when I talk about this because I just imagine this guy with his eyes closed huge smile on his face, imagining himself eating something he really likes. That's how it should be. That's how you get to include all your favorite foods into your diet, right? You enjoy them. You get the experience you're longing for, and then you move on. 
And when you have that experience, when you look back and, you know, I think of this guy with this big, huge smile on his face, you know, there was no obsession. There was no hyper focus or being critical. It was just enjoying a moment and then moving forward. That's it. I mean, isn't that what we want our relationship with food to be like? Where we can sit and enjoy and, you know, have it be a memory and then move on and do other things rather than sitting and obsessing and focusing and shaming and all that negativity that we associate with having to give up our favorite foods. It's not necessary. And so I hope this episode gives you hope and shows you that there is another way. It doesn't have to be super restrictive. It doesn't have to be punishing. It can be amazing. All right, so I need to give you guys a recipe. So today's recipe is a spring salad. All right, and so um, I'm going to give you the recipe, and then I'm going to tell you how I modify it. So for the recipe, you're going to need a third cup of apple cider vinegar, a quarter cup of canola oil, a quarter cup of chopped strawberries, two tablespoons of sugar, two tablespoons of fresh tarragon, eight ounces of green beans, eight ounces of sugar snap peas, four ounces of radishes, and then you're going to need an additional one cup of quartered strawberries. All right. So we're making a salad dressing. Of course we are because salad dressings are so simple to prepare. So you're going to combine the vinegar, oil, the chopped strawberries, sugar, tarragon, salt, and black pepper, if you want to include that a little bit. And just throw that in a jar and shake it until it's combined. Um, alternatively, I've used honey for it, and it looks, it's great. I've also used dried tarragon, and that works. Um, but that's going to be your salad dressing. And then in a large pot, you're going to cook your green beans and snap peas for about two minutes. So we're basically just blanching them. And um, then we're going to drain and rinse with cold water. So that's going to stop the cooking process. And then we're going to toss the green beans and peas with the salad dressing. And then right before serving, you're going to add in the radishes and the sliced strawberries. So really, really simple really tasty too. Um, I love the combination of strawberries and snap peas. Uh, sometimes, well, I should say sometimes that would be a lie and I want to be truthful here. Um, I never add the radishes because they're not our family's favorite. Uh, I do more cooked radishes than I do raw radishes just because they're a little too peppery, too spicy for my taste. So I tend to omit them, but if that's a flavor you enjoy, absolutely throw them in. All right, guys, that's all we got for today. I hope you enjoyed this recipe. As always, if it's helpful to you, please feel free to share it with a friend. Um, You know, if you need to connect with us, we are at bodymetricshealth.com and we are here to help however we can. Guys, have a great week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, 
visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.